Amen. Well, we are in week three of our Mythbusters, and um, by the way, we saved kind of the best for last, not really the best for last, but next week, we're going to talk about uh, a myth that probably is the biggest myth of all of them. So uh, after this week, mark on your calendar to make sure you're here next week, because we're going to hit it hard, and then you're going to be like, whoa, man, that blew my mind. Um, But... uh, We've been in this, this series called Mythbusters, and the whole idea behind it is to address some of the things we talk about, some of the things we say, some of the things we believe, and some of the ways we fool ourselves into talking to one another with things that sound right, but aren't really right. And so the first week, we talked about the idea that everything happens for a reason. And depending on where you come from and what your religious background has been, um, the You might believe that or might think I should believe that because after all, God's on the throne and he's sovereign and he kind of put the universe together. So shouldn't everything kind of happen for a reason? And that particular week, what we did was we on purpose left you with more questions than we had answers. Because the idea was we wanted you to struggle with that over the week. Why do things happen? Why do bad things happen? Who is this God that I serve? And why do I say things to people when I say everything happens for a reason? What am I really saying? And so the first week was very kind of philosophical, if you will, if you or or theological. And so hopefully you struggled a little bit with that, and you should struggle with that. Uh, There are a lot of things about following God and about following Jesus that aren't tied up in a nice little bow where you just go, well, you know, (laughs) nothing you can do about that. There are things that, that, that his ways are higher than our ways. We should struggle. And so we left you with that unashamedly. We just said, go struggle peasants no um and and uh and then i struggled too during the week because a bunch of stuff came up where i wanted to go well everything happens for no what what am i trying to say and so that was kind of fun and then last week we talked about the idea that you just follow your heart that myth that you know when you don't know what to do it could go either way or whatever you just follow your heart and we made fun of nicholas sparks and all those kind of movies where that is the underlying theme that if you follow your heart things will end up really well and we showed in scripture that a young man who followed his heart and things went really poorly. And so um, that was last week. This week, uh, we're going to be talking about another myth that um, really kind of talks about another deep-seated issue. I think that's in all of us. And it's the, the, the issue of interdependence and isolation. Um, I, I, I don't know if any of you have a young person in your house that is just moving into man or womanhood. Um, But there comes a time in every kid's life where he looks at his parents or she looks at their parents and says, I don't think you're as smart as you think you are. And I don't think you're as smart as you've always thought you were. And now I see some things in your life that disqualify you from ever talking into my life, right? Because when your brain is small, uh, you tend to, uh, and, 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 and as you kind of get life experiences, you tend to push the limits a little bit longer. And usually, if you're a young man, this happens when you get your first hair that comes underneath your arm, and you're thinking, I'm a man, you know, and you, you don't shave the, you know, there's like four that come out of your, you know, these little thing, and it looks disgusting. <laughs> Trust me, dude, just shave it, okay? So, but they kind of come out there, and you kind of start to think to yourself, you know, I can, the idea comes, I can handle myself. I can kind of handle this. And this came true in my own life, uh, well, 
and somebody close to me when they asked me if they could ride their bike to the movie theater and it was dark out. And so as a parent, kids, just so you know what goes through our mind, when you ask to go to the movie theater when it's dark out, 17 things hit our mind all at the same time. The first is, you don't have any money, okay? So that's number one. Like, you can't even go to the movies if you don't have money. Number two is, you know, you'll get taken off your bike and shoved into a van. And then, you know, there's that kind of like all these things that happen as parents. And so what happens with a kid when they get to be that old is they begin to already have their rebuttals planned before they approach you. See, they learned this over time. Have your rebuttals planned. And so my conversation went like this. Can I ride, ride my bike to the movie theater? No, it's dark. Which I don't know if that threw him for a loop or whatever, but it's like, it's like, like so, so, you know. Whereas I think that's a pretty good reason. So I'll be careful, okay, right? Who, anyone who's grown up, you've had the same thing in your own life where you think, ah, oh, I can ride my bike in the dark. It's not about you being careful. It's about other people driving that won't look out for you, right? I see some parents going, yeah, that's right. Dude, preach it, brother. Well, yeah. And so, so then, uh, so then the, the, to that, I get the response, I'll watch out for them too, you know? And so I'm still at the point of there's no money. You don't have any money, okay? It doesn't matter. I'm staying on this logic trail, okay? So then I say, look, no, y- you don't understand you know, anyone can just come out. They're not expecting to see somebody on a bike with no lights, dressed in black, right into the movie theater. <clears throat> You'll get hurt. And here's, here's what I got. Well, if I get hurt, that's my own fault, and you don't have to worry about it. Okay? <laughs> now, you have to understand, as a dude... Because it's, you know, dudes talking to dudes. There's a part of me that's like, well, you got me there. You know, I guess. <laughs> it's like, it's like, because guys are just kind of like, yeah, do you want to go walk out in the middle of the street? Go ahead. I don't, you know. But as a parent, right, you, you, you know, you quickly, you know, what are you talking about? And, and here's the thing. We laugh because we all know it doesn't have anything to do with you. I got to go, first of all, I got to find out what's wrong. I got to get a hospital, get you to the hospital. Then I got to cart you around while you're in a wheelchair and push you all around and do all this kind of stuff. And our insurance is going to go up. I got to get one of those vans with the lift gate that comes down. It's like, it's like, like to us, it's just like, what are you thinking, dude? Well, like, come on. It, only, it only hurts you. That makes no sense at all. And as parents, right, and as anyone responsible for anyone, we totally get that. But when you're young, you don't get the fact that you're so connected to other people. And that brings us to myth three. Because I don't think it leaves totally when we get older. I think in all of us, there's this little sense of, I can handle it, and if it hurt me, does it really matter what happens, okay? This is the myth uh, that we have. If it only hurts me, it's okay. And, and we might not say it so bluntly, okay? We might say something to the effect of, well, it's not going to hurt anybody else. Or I wrote, wrote in there, uh, yeah, I'm not hurting anyone. Okay, or we think, well, look, if if these are just things that are going on in my mind, that it, it doesn't, it, it can't affect anyone. Now, I could sit all morning and talk about all the ways that we would kind of see this play out negatively. You know, I mean, uh, 
kind of obvious ways. So you have um, somebody who's got struggling with an alcohol problem, and you know they're they're kind of trying to handle it, trying to handle it, trying to handle it, trying to handle it, and then it goes totally wrong, DUI or something worse, and you know we, we get we all get those, okay? Or you know I'm just thinking about this person in my office and we're just flirting and all that kind of stuff and all of a sudden it goes to a full-blown affair like those are easy to follow and those are easy to go well yeah I mean if it ever got got to that point but that lie still stays in us but I I can handle it it won't get to that point and if it's just in my mind if it's just hurting me what what's the difference but let, let me ask you a question. Let's say you're here and you don't even believe in God. You, you don't even, you're just like, hey, I'm here. Somebody drugged me here. We thought it was Easter, <laughs> right? I mean, like, like, like whatever, whatever the, the thing is, I mean, you, you're, you're here. And if I just started talking to you about your family, I just started talking to you about your work, I just started talking to you about life, I could probably make a pretty strong case that what you're doing affects others. For example... If you go to work in a bad mood, how many people in your office know that? Everybody, right? Your boss, something happened over the weekend, and what do you do on Monday? Like, oh, something happened to him. I don't know what his problem is. You know, it doesn't affect me. You know, like th- this whole thing. Your family, I mean, the people who are closest to you can tell right away, can't they? You think you're hiding it? You think you're hiding something? Your husband or your wife, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing's wrong. They, they know. They just know. I'm going to read a section of scripture this morning that we're going to talk about that takes this. What I want to do this morning is take your thinking well beyond your family and your neighbors and the office. I want to take it to imagine a world where your thought life affected me or the person sitting next to you or just kind of the way you're living life. The stuff where we think, man, if it just affects me, if it's just about me, it won't hurt anyone. If we could look and kind of open our eyes to the idea that the decisions we make, the thoughts we think, how we go about life radically affects those around us. And I might even be able to make the case for eternity, okay? But I probably won't have enough time to get into that that whole thing. Here's the, here's the main point I want to make this morning before we get into our scripture that I, I, I want to keep hitting as we go along this section that Paul wrote. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 if you want to follow along in your Bible. And on our notes, you'll see they're just blank lines. That's for a purpose. It's so that if you want to take notes and God's telling you stuff, you just write it down. If you want to draw pictures, we, I've gotten some of the best notes ever taken with somebody drawing pictures because that's the way they think. And they, so they'll draw a picture of whatever I'm saying. So we leave it, try to leave it as blank as possible. But if you want, up at the top, uh, you can write this. Nothing you do only affects you. Nothing you do only affects you. Now again, you think, well, yeah, I mean, if I'm married, but I'm single. Nothing you do only affects you. Matter of fact, I was thinking about it during the week as I was kind of processing through this and thinking through the logic and the scripture of it all. I guess if you're a hermit and you want to live in a cabin like Ted's Kaczynski and not do bombs, but just you're just living in a cabin down by the river and nobody cares and whatever, 
congratulations. And I guess it doesn't apply to you. But nobody I know wants to live like that. We all want deep relationships. We all want connections. We all want things that are meaningful to us, that bring our life fulfillment and joy. And quite frankly, we were designed that way. We were designed to be in relationship. We were designed to be interconnected. And so nothing you do only affects you is the thing we'll just keep uh, hitting over and over again. Uh, I pulled this one verse out just to start with, to have it by itself, because I want us to sit with it a little bit and see what's going on. It says this, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, for those of you who are attending here maybe and you're just not into the whole Christian thing, to some extent this doesn't apply to you because you're just like, I'm not... I'm not even into that kind of whole Holy Spirit, like mystical stuff. So, but I think what will happen as we go along is you'll begin to see that even though you might not say it this way, there is a part of you, a deep-seated part of you that will realize your connectedness with others. But Paul writes it this way. To each one, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now here's what it's saying. To those of you who are followers of Jesus who are here, and you're coming to church, and you have expectations that the sermon's going to be something, or the music's going to be something, or whatever. This is what Paul's saying. You get a glimpse of the Holy Spirit for a reason. That thing you want to feel, like the, the thing, you know, some people will talk to me, and they'll say, John, I don't need to go to church. I, got, I, I can watch it online and all that. I totally get that. I watch pastors online all the time. I won't tell you who they are, because that's like, you know, getting, you know, the competition, right? So, no, I'm kidding, right? But, but, there, but yes, you can. But what you're seeking, what you're looking for when you're doing that or when you go to a worship concert or whatever is an appearance, a manifestation, a, a um, exhibition of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what it's saying. This is so incredible. God has appeared to you. You're like, wow, the sermon's not that good <laughs> right now. I get that, no, but, but, as you kind of go and you begin, sometimes when you're reading your Bible and you, you, you understand your eyes are enlightened, you go, man, God has appeared to you. I, that just, I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to stop here. And not only has he appeared to you, to each one. So it does not matter where your level of spirituality is, where your level of Christianity is. Isn't it true that sometimes we're around other Christians and we think, man, I'll never be that fill in the blank. Man, I wish I could. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit, when we give our lives over to Christ and we say, God, I can't do it on my own, and we understand our level of of, of sin and just going disconnection with God. When we, when we step into that and we go, okay, God, I'm giving my life to you. Yeah, it doesn't happen all at once or all that kind of stuff, but that journey, God is appearing to us. Now, it's for a reason. Do you know what the reason is? For the common good. The reason God is talking to you, the reason you are meeting God in your quiet times, the reason the Holy Spirit is opening up to you in the word, in the scriptures, the reason you listen to a pastor and go, oh man, that is good, is not so that you can then go off by yourself and go, I feel so good. This is fantastic. 
I feel incredible. Thanks. And to go on. The reason you feel the way you feel, and the reason you sense God, sometimes the reason you're convicted when you hear it, because not all the things we hear from God is, is great, right? I mean, I, you know, I talked last week about hearing from God, and I'd rather I had not, you know, but, but right? I mean, not all the things we hear, but you know why you had that appearance of the Holy Spirit, that manifestation of the Holy Spirit? is for the common good. Now, Paul continues on here, and he talks about even something more personal than that. He talks about your spiritual gifts. And we sometimes think to ourselves as we sit in the pew or the chair or whatever, they, oh, I don't have any of those. I don't even know what they are. I didn't even ask for any, and I wouldn't unwrap them if I got one, right? It's like, like, like spiritual gifts. But there are. There's many listed. And if I, if I listed them all, I won't because there's a lot. You could probably identify with actually a part of your personality that kind of fits in with that. Some of them are really wacky. And Paul references those. We're not going to go over them, but speaking in tongues, where all of a sudden you're speaking in a language that you'd never heard nor understand. You think, I don't want that one. That one's freaky. Or prophecy, right? But others are more down to earth. Words of knowledge. Sometimes you'll just go, man, you know what? I just know exactly what I'm supposed to say to that person, so I say it. Or teaching. Or helps. You might have the gift of helps, where you just, you see a situation, like you get, breakfast gets over at a, at a function or a function gets over and you, you don't know why, you don't even belong to the place, but you're picking up trash or setting up chairs. It's just in you. you. There's a really good chance that you have the gift of helps. And some of you have the gift of encouragement. You don't know why, but you'll just, go, you'll see somebody that looks like tears are welling up in their eyes and you'll see them from across the room and you'll be like, hey, are you doing okay? And that, you're like, I don't even know why I do that. Doesn't everyone do that? No. Everyone doesn't do that. Doesn't everyone just pick up trash? No. When you ask yourself that question, doesn't everybody? No. Like, like when I teach, I'm just like, doesn't, every, doesn't anybody see this? Doesn't everybody see this? No. Again, it's nothing special. It's just that's how God created us. And this is what Paul says. The reason you're that way, the reason you pick up stuff, the reason you can teach, the reason you give words of encouragement, the reason you, it's for the common good. It's not for you. Now, there's a part of it that is, but let's, let's just go on real quick and um, uh, keep going or we'll never stop. Okay, so he lists all these, all these different gifts and stuff. And then in verse 11, he says this, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. Now, this is super exciting because it means that if we're followers of Christ and I look out over everybody here, that means the Holy Spirit is working in all of us for something. Now, I tend to spend most of my week thinking about what is he doing in me, right? What am I, I shouldn't think that way, I shouldn't say that way, I should. But in fact, he's trying to build me up to build us up. And you say, well, yeah, you're the pastor, of course. If you go down, what's going to happen? You'll get another pastor, okay? It's not that big of a deal. But, but, but the idea is that this is the same for everybody. We're all the same. The reason God does this, the reason the Spirit of God is working in all of us is for the common good. So he says it's one and the same Spirit, and he distributes to them, to how many? To the smart ones, just as he determined. To the really attractive ones. To the ones who've been doing, they know, they put their nose to the grindstone. They are good Christians. No, to each one. 
God Almighty, your Heavenly Father, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is working in your life for the common good. Okay? Nothing we do just affects us. Nothing you do just affects you. And, it, and what's really cool is it's just as he determines. Okay? This is where we get hung up as well. We think, well, I wish I did that as, as good as that person did. Even when I said, you pick up right after the thing, you're thinking, man, I should pick up. <laughs> and you probably should, okay? But, but the point is, but you, you know, we have these things where we tend to look at other people and think we understand that what the Holy Spirit's doing in their life and in our life, and we need to be more or that like that. But it's just like he determines. God is determining. God shaped you the way you are. God gave you the personality you have. You've gone through different experiences that no one else has gone through. You can minister to people that no one else can minister to. You're involved with people in your life that no one else is going to reach. You're it. You're plan A and plan B. You're given a gift of the Holy Spirit to work in your life for the common good. So here's what he does. He goes through this long it's almost like Paul thinks we're kind of stupid now. Like, I don't know if you've ever been around one of those people where you're talking and they give you the point and you go, yeah, got it. And then they give it to you again. You're like, yes, I, I, you know, all the kids are like, yeah, that's my dad, right? I know, but like, this is what Paul does. So, but, but here's why Paul's doing it. It's not because, and here's why your parents do it, by the way. It's not because they don't think you understand. It's that they really, really, really want you to get this. Paul really wants our church to get this, okay? So here's what he does. He says, just as the body, though one, we can all identify with that, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, again, that word Christ, wait, where am I? Oh yeah, that word Christ is super important, because this isn't just a we are the world, we're all connected, you know, we're kind of, this whole thing. This is now, we've kind of made a delineation. If you're a follower of Jesus, this means more than it would have just normal family stuff. Okay, just as it is so with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. And then here's what Paul does, it's so cool. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. To, when Paul says this, what he means is every, we would say, whether you're white, Hispanic, Asian, educated, non-educated, like the point he's trying to make is everybody. Jew or Gentile, that's like Jew, Gentile, slave, and free. It, it, like it covers both socioeconomic and kind of culture issues. Everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your education is. Now, well, watch. So he says, and we were all, how many? All given the one spirit to drink. Okay, I pulled this one verse out by itself. So the body is not made up of one part, but of what? I've been saying this for years. You are indispensable. Now, some of you, if you think about your families and stuff, you think, that's right. If I didn't make the money, we wouldn't. No, no, no. It goes so much deeper than that. We think, oh, yeah, at work, I, I, you know, I, I do this. And if I wasn't there, they'd hire someone else. But anyway. But when it comes to the body of Christ 
and the work of the Holy Spirit, it is really bizarre how true this really is, that you are indispensable. Now, again, I'm not into self-help stuff or, you know, just kind of I'm good enough, smart enough, but we're going to say this as a group. We're going to say it, and it's going to feel weird. I am indispensable, okay? Hold on one second, because even I have to gear up for this one. Okay. I am indispensable. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, now, it seems funny and like, okay, good, glad we're done with that. Please don't make me do that again or whatever. But it is true. The Holy Spirit is doing a work in every one of our lives that is not just for us. It's for the common good. And if it's for the common good, that means nothing we do just affects us. Nothing you do just affects you. Watch, he goes on. Even so, the body, we're not made up of parts, but of many and then he goes into these two different sides because most people fall into do two different camps. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body, right? I mean, this is just common sense. Paul isn't trying to come up with an idea like, whoa, I, I didn't know my foot was part of my body. Thanks, Paul. He's just taking a normal thing to go, look, but isn't that us sometimes? Don't we feel like if we're not doing a certain something, we're kind of not connected to it? And I'll talk to people like this. They'll just say, you know what? I just don't think I have anything to offer. And so the thing is, they won't end up in a church where they have something to offer. They'll end up in a bigger church where they have even less to offer. Like, like they're, what they're saying is, I don't have anything to offer. And that's a lie. You do have something to offer. The same spirit that's working in my life is working in yours. You know why? For the common good. That's why. So he says, the foot, he says I, I for that reason, can't stop being part of the body. And then he goes on as if we didn't get it. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. Here's kind of the... I guess, unfortunate or fortunate thing. Once you come into relationship with Christ, you're part of the body. You can't help it. Now, whether you're a good part or a bad part or you're, you know, you're an infection or whatever, you know, that's all how we work out our salvation, right? We, we try to figure out, well, if I'm a part of the body, because this is where Paul wants us to go, you're a part, what? Part. What is God doing in my life? So then, then again, just like I said, it gets annoying after a while. That's like, we get it, but he wrote it, so we're going to look at it. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Listen to this. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, not to try to get away from this point, but to drive it home, archaeologists have in fact found a, a organism that is just an eye, and it does work out. Uh, and then they found one that was an ear too, but that's a... a uh, let's go back there. We'll go through those again, but look... Every one of them. That means you. 
You think, well, no, man, you know, I don't even lead a, the children. I don't do nothing. I just show up. I drive up. I come in. I sit down. I come in late because I don't want to talk to anybody. I leave early because I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to hear the sermon, do the thing. And, okay. You're still part of the body. There's no way to get around it. And that's, ha- that's one part of us. Probably the majority of us are in that thing. We just don't think we're that valuable. And what God is trying to tell us and tell us as the body of Christ is that we are. See, the reason we don't think we're valuable is because we take the values of the world, what, what, what the world says is valuable, and we take them and we put them on Christianity. So position. The pastor is more important than this person. That's, that's not in Scripture anywhere. I mean, he's more accountable and gets a harder judgment. That's in the Bible congratulations, okay, but, but, but we don't, the, the Bible doesn't do that, it doesn't say, okay, oh, education, do I push education? Totally, because I want us to have the biggest impact we can on the world, but, but does education, is someone who's more educated in the body of Christ, are they more valuable? No, maybe those who are more attractive, but we can talk about that next week, no, no, of course not, Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, for some of you, this should be super, super encouraging. Because you've been trying to get, 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 get to this certain spot, and finally you're, oh, once I get to this level, I'll be valuable. You're valuable now. The fact that you're sitting here is valuable. The fact that you're adding just a little bit when we sing is valuable. So we were, the men had men's breakfast, and then some of us went to go pick up this play equipment, for the back area, which weighed 17,000 pounds, okay? And so uh, me and Aaron were carrying this one piece. And I mean, I thought my arms were going to fall. They did actually fall off. I had them surgically put on last night. So, so we're carrying this thing, and you know, Aaron's just, you know, he's like, you know, beefy, grr, you know, and I'm just like, ah, mommy. And so, so my son comes up and just like grabs the middle I don't know how much he was helping, but it felt like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so light. Have you ever carried anything heavy and you're looking at yourself, at everyone carrying it and you're like, how are we doing this? Because I kind of, I kind of backed off a little bit and we're still able to do it. You know, you pick it up and you back off because you're like, whew. Well, we do it together. It only takes a little bit to add much, much, much to the kingdom of God. Now, there's another set, and this set's much smaller because most people aren't like this. Some are, but... Oh, sorry, got to get through those again. <clears throat> okay, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. We got that. Now, we get to these people. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. See... That isn't usually us. Usually we, we sit in the side of like, eh. but there are some people who think because they've gotten to a certain place spiritually, they don't need anybody else. There are some people who won't engage in some things that we do, not us as a church, but just, just in general, because they don't think they need it. And again, that's not as common as the other one. But there are some people who'll just, you know, yep, I, 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 listen, here's really what it comes down to. I've pretty much gotten everything I need to get 
out of that whole situation and now I'm doing just fine. By the way, I, was, I started laughing that the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. And so I came up with this funny joke that uh, you can use at the water cooler if you want to talk about church and you're just like, oh, I heard something funny at, you know, at church. If the head doesn't have the feet, then heads will roll. <laughs> yeah, so, you, you know. Anyway. That's, I, totally ma- I totally made that up myself. Oh, hold on. That was funny. Okay, all right. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now watch, check this out, because this kind of combines it all in. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Hmm. I want you to think, for those of you, I'm going to talk just to people who've been in church for 30 years. Okay, Matt, 20, okay. I want you to think about those people throughout, because we've all had them. Those people in the church where you're thinking, man, I wonder if they're ever going to find another church. That would be awesome. <laughs> Again, for those of you who are, yeah, yeah, see, you're like, I knew that about church. I've been saying that for years. Yeah, it happens. We fall into this. We think it's just about us. We think our sin won't go out and infect other people, and we think our spirituality is all about ourselves. And Christians who follow Jesus, who've been saved for all eternity, sometimes I've caught them because that's part of my job is just to walk around and see, what are you doing? You know, I got to go around. Sometimes we'll think to ourselves, I wish that that person, I wish they weren't here. That's dangerous. You know what they call that in the Bible? It's called quenching the spirit. Because to each one, a manifestation of the Spirit has been given. And at the point where we think we don't need your manifestation of the Spirit, we quench the Spirit. That's what happens. Okay, enough for the mature, older Christians who don't think. We only have like two of them here, and I know who they are. No, I'm joking. (laughs) So the weak are indispensable. It's indispensable. If you think you're weak and worthless... You're, please stay. (laughs) You're indispensable. If you don't think you have anything to offer, don't go anywhere. Don't leave. Don't get out on your own. You need to be here. And then it goes on. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the part, I love this one. Oh, no, no, it's the next one. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty. And then it goes on. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. <laughs> like, do you think you're great? Yeah, good job. Have a nice day. Like, like the people who think they're real presentable, you don't get any special treatment. But those who feel that they don't have anything to offer, you are indispensable. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Let me tell you how this plays out mostly. And again, I'm not coming down on anybody. This is, my, this is just how it plays out in my own life. So don't, don't, I'm, you know, don't think of it any other way than just me talking to myself. Oftentimes, like, like in the week after Easter, we're going to start up uh, community groups again, small groups. 
And, um, and so we're going to try and get as many people into small groups as we possibly can. And the reason we do that is because it is the best way to have this particular scripture play out. Right? You come in, you hear me preach, you go home. There's not really that much connectedness. And so we call that church and we call it important. And it is. Trust me, I love the fact that everyone's here. But what really happens is when our lives kind of interconnect and that manifestation of the Spirit can happen while we're going over stuff in our small group. And it's in the small group particular where this plays out. And it's so funny because what, as I talk to people and I talk to them about being in a small group and myself included, the first thing I think of is, well, I don't really need a small group. I don't need a small group. I can get fed. I can go online. I can read a book. I can talk to my wife. I I don't really need a small group. I don't need to be there. I'm busy. I've filled my life up with stuff, and I'm just tired. I don't need a small group. Let me just say to you, if that's you, there's a small group that desperately needs you, and you've missed the idea that we're all connected completely. And, and, and granted, you might not need it, okay? You might not. You might make it to, you might actually make it to heaven without a small group. I don't know, but I think you just might make it, okay? But there's a small group that desperately needs your manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But we turn it around and we say, what can I get out of it? What do I do? Well, I don't want to. Well, I, I, my small group might have that one person who seems uh, lacking. Guess what? They're indispensable. And so that's why we push it. And, and, and we're not going to, I mean, I'll, we'll have a list and I'll come to your house. But I'm going to come at a time that's really convenient with you to bother you. No, we're not, we don't have a list and we won't do that. We're going to have sign-ups starting next week with these. And we're going to try and make it as easy as possible. We're going to have some on Sunday morning during first service, some, during second service, during the week. We're going to try and get some that have daycare, okay? So we're going to try and make it as easy as possible. But let me tell you how this plays out. You are indispensable to the family of God. So much so that, watch this next verse. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If I might just extend it a little too far, our church might grow, not numerically, but just spiritually, just might grow because of something that's happening in your life. You think there's no way that can happen. Every part, everyone. And our church could begin to suffer and become anemic because of how you're living out your salvation. Now, I'm not trying to guilt you or do anything like that. We are connected when one part suffers. Every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices in it. Now, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Now, I leave on this verse because it doesn't matter what, how you feel. It doesn't matter what your experience is. That's the reality. And the myth that we can do stuff that only hurts us, or we can do stuff that, um, you know, uh, either grow or not grow, if, as Jason comes up... Um, The idea that we can be isolated and be effective or we can be isolated and not have the repercussions of the way we live our life extend out is a myth. 
The myth that if it only hurts me, it's okay. And the myth that I can do it on my own is the, is the flip side of that spiritually. We can't. 